Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 69 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Malatnich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with the lovely Mary Vance about digestion and hypothyroidism and SIBO and Candida. And Tiffany and I are so excited because we don't ever dive deep into that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to talking about it today. Big time. Big time, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, you can very easily download and listen to them at your leisure on iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast, which is uh, super easy to do. It is. And there's all kinds of places to download and stuff, right? I mean, it's just crazy. And this whole Pokemon Go thing is just cracking me up. I meant to tell you uh, really quick before we uh, go get into the show, um, some lady made a, a video blog spoof of um, Pokemon Go. You have heard of it, right, Tiff? Oh, God. I have, yeah. I was I was listening okay, to it on the way to Big Bear yesterday. They they said that Justin Bieber was in New York City, completely unattended, right? But there's injuries too, like people looking down at their phone. I, know. I, I never did that. Or did your kids ever no. do the Pokemon thing or anything? Well, yeah, mine, mine well, didn't either. So I'm like, did. huh? They kind of did, and Savannah <laughs> has lots of the cards and stuff. But um, it doesn't matter. This park that's over here by us. I mean, there are people, adults. It is like crazy. Okay, so anyway, I just wanted Seriously? to tell you, I don't. No, it's, it's it's insane. It's like crazy. Yes, it's it's crazy. But um, there a lady made a spoof of Chardonnay go, and so so oh, she's she's hunting she's hunting wine, and she's got glasses like under trees and stuff, and like she's hiding. She's like, oh, got one, and then she's like running to a tree and like she dives at it, but some other lady dives at it, and they're like trying to get it first. It's just oh crazy. my god, that, no, that would be our game. Oh that would be so funny. Anyway, uh, I got to see that no, one. I didn't. I'll share it. Just wanted to throw that in there because Tiffany and I, before the show, before the show starts, we're always talking and laughing as the countdown lady, you know, stresses us out and says five, four, three, two, one. We're laughing right before the show starts every single time, so we have to like sound all calm and all that stuff. So, and we're not. And we're not. We're, not we're excited to talk about SIBO and Candida because we're so silly. So today um, we are talking again with Mary Vance. She is a holistic nutritionist and certified nutrition consultant. She leads wonderful workshops and webinars as well as designs personal nutrition and wellness programs for her clients, focusing on three main areas, nutrition, lifestyle, emotional wellness, and exercise stress relief. Oh, gosh, wouldn't that be great? The have somebody design a specific program for me? Ooh. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And guess what? She is with us. So let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Let's not take any time. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. How are you guys? We are silly. <laughs> That's always a good thing to be. Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah. We can. We can hear you. Perfectly. How are you? Okay, great. I'm good. I've been traveling for a few weeks here, just summer road tripping. So I'm away from San Francisco, which is where I'm based. And right now I'm on the East Coast in Maine, working from here for the week. So I've been enjoying that. I saw that, oh, actually. Oh, awesome. I saw, I saw that on Facebook. Um, there's some really amazing pictures. I mean, you look oh, like you're having you. a, great, a great time. Yeah, eating lots of lobster, which is good for your thyroid, actually. <laughs> uh, 
And it's been beautiful weather and amazing. I've never been to this part of the United States, so really enjoying the national parks and hiking oh, how and cool. some amazing views. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very cool. Um, I have to tell you something really funny. I guess it's just one of those days, you know, I don't know if you heard us talking about Pokemon Go earlier, but anyway, I have to tell another story <laughs> before we get before we get into this um this uh great discussion we're gonna have today. Speaking of lobster, I just told the story the other day, but I love lobster and um it's one of my favorites. And uh I remember um when I was young, younger, my mom and dad took us to a trip and we went to Boston and Newport and all that stuff and we went to this wonderful restaurant like overlooking the ocean and I was like of course I want lobster and I was like can I have it and they're like <laughs> you know it costs like nine thousand dollars or something crazy and they're like okay if you promise to eat it right and so okay great I'm so excited and they bring it out and it is looking at me it is the full thing <laughs> it's got the it's the whole monster and they're pointing the eyeball they bring and it in the tank cynical. no They'd already oh, killed him. He was still talking, I swear he was. He was still screaming. I was terrible. I like Oh god. <laughs> it was they placed it on the table in front of me. Eyeballs intact, the whole thing, arms, legs, <laughs> tentacles. And I was like, Oh, there's absolutely no way I can do this. My dad had to like take it to the side and totally crack it and do the whole thing. I was like, Oh, you gotta get this thing away from me. He's still talking, I swear he is. There's no way I can eat this. <laughs> it's a lot of work and it is I definitely feel terrible about seeing them swimming around and then eating them. <laughs> and it is a lot of work to eat your meal, but they are delicious. I know, right? But, and know, they're the good restaurants to your thyroid, where they bring the, the restaurants where they bring the tank and you actually choose it. <laughs> I'm like, oh. yeah, no, that's not Yeah. Just, just bring me the tank. I know. It's, it's sort of devastating. And I was a vegetarian for 13 years and had problems wrapping my head around eating animals. But, you know, of course, I choose sustainably and and humanely raised animals, but it's still sometimes devastating right. when you're faced with uh, actually choosing an animal when it's alive and then eating it minutes later. <laughs> but that's just like you know, I can I can totally relate with that, Mary. I did the same thing and ended up with uh, big problems. I, and uh, long here, story short, yeah. we love to delve into your story, but we have a lot of similarities in that respect. But what's interesting is I always tell people. Is I had you know my husband and I were big pita people and and uh, vegetarian for quite some time and I became extremely ill but um, I always tell people I have way more appreciation for the life that sustains my life than I ever did before I mean it's like a whole different depth of yeah. of understanding for me anyways just for me you know sure and that has one of the biggest issues that I run into with vegetarian clients that that particular plan isn't really necessarily working for their specific health challenges. And I know exactly how they feel because morally and ethically, I had a lot of problems wrapping my head around eating animals too. But in the end, sometimes that really is going to be what is going to be the most healing diet for you. And you have to kind of choose yourself and make just sustainable and humane choices. Like I said earlier about the animals that you eat. Right. Right. Agreed. Gee whiz. <laughs> With every ounce of my body. <laughs> well, let's just jump right in because you have an amazing story. We we would love to hear your story, um, if that's okay with you. Sure. 
how, yeah, did, the, how did you get this this road that brought you to here? I know you've got some you know some amazing things that happened to you, some things that you learned, and so we'd love to hear that. Yeah, so you know, kind of what I was saying earlier, being a vegetarian, I grew up uh, on a horse farm, raising and training show horses and animals, and that was a big part of my life. And I went to an animal race workshop when I was in my early teens and had, you know, I basically prior to that had no knowledge about our food supply and learned about factory farming and kind of these horrific conditions that animals are being raised in. And I decided right then and there I'd be a vegetarian. And so I kind of survived mainly on rice and ramen noodles because that was vegetarian and became really severely anemic after that. And so that was kind of my first clue that what you eat dictates the status of your health. So after that happened, and I was kind of going away to college at this time, I started to really research the connection between diet and nutrition and health and started reading books by certain authors and and learning more about how to curate the perfect vegetarian diet. And that included a lot of soy. And this was the 90s where soy was kind of making its way into our lives as this miracle health food magic bullet. Right. So the superfood, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it would scary. cure your menopausal symptoms and cure heart disease and lower your cholesterol and, you know, right, soy everywhere. Right, right. So, yeah, I ate a lot of whole meat and soy and felt fine for a while. And then I started to get some really bad hormonal symptoms. And I was taking hormonal birth control pills at the time, and I stopped taking those, and then everything kind of went haywire. And that's right around the time that I actually started studying nutrition for a career in the early 2000s. And I think it was Julia Roth, The Diet Cure, where I first kind of really read about the connection between gluten and processed soy foods and vegetarianism and the potential for uh, vegetarian diets to wreak havoc on your endocrine system. And so I kind of slowly reintroduced meat back into my diet at that point and really did a lot of healing work naturally around restoring hormone levels, and it worked. And so I kind of learned a really important lesson in that, you know, I, I really understand the sensitive nature of, you know, choosing to eat meat. But what I really got from that was that, you know, our bodies need change all the time and, you know, no no one diet is right for us for the duration of our lives and, you know, we kind of have to be really sensitive to our body's needs. And if your health is starting to suffer, then you can bet your diet has a huge role in that and you need to take that into account and change it accordingly. So that was my first kind of real wake-up call about um you know, how to be more mindful about my eating choices. And then, you know, later down the line, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, not Hashimoto's, fortunately, and then, you know, adjusted my diet again to make sure that I was getting the nutrients that I needed to support thyroid hormone conversion and, you know, that I was careful to avoid certain foods. I mean, I was already avoiding gluten and dairy and soy, but just a little bit more careful to make sure, you know, as we're kind of talking about today, Uh, digestive wellness and thyroid hormone conversion and there's a lot of different systems in the body that we don't really think about like our digestive tract and our liver function that really play into how well your thyroid is functioning 
And so, you know, anyone with hypothyroidism can take a look at how those systems are functioning in the body and increase their thyroid hormone performance. So, um, so you know, long story short with all of that, um, I've really learned, you know, aside from just studying this as a career and working with people, but I've learned really the connection between what specific health challenges you're facing or if you're trying to boost fertility or trying to address stress levels or if there are health challenges that come your way, your diet should be one of the first things that you consider in supporting any kind of healing or uh, wellness, optimal wellness in the body. Absolutely. I mean, oh, and for amen. many people in that subclinical uh, type area, oftentimes that diet can can throw the thyroid back to normal. Have you seen that quite a bit? I wouldn't say quite a bit, but it's definitely possible. I've, I've had a lot of people reduce medication uh, or drop certain medications even. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's very impactful how just adding in certain nutrients and, you know, like I was saying, addressing adrenals or addressing female hormones, gut function, liver function can really help um, people just feel better overall too. Well, and, you know, for me, I didn't I didn't realize any of that. Of course, I didn't know anything about my thyroid when I was diagnosed. And, and I really think that I would have been one of those people. And I wasn't necessarily subclinical, but I would have been certainly a great candidate for uh, looking at my liver and my, my uh, adrenals and my female hormones and all that kind of stuff, uh, maybe before even uh, in my diet and lifestyle, like you said, you know, looking at my diet and lifestyle before I just got subscribed pills, but that's not how it worked out. So I totally understand well, and sure. I totally agree, <laughs> right? I mean, no, seriously, that's, that's, that's why we have people, you know, like you on the show and that's why we do what we do uh, every week because – I want people to know it was, it, you know, it's kind of screwed me up. I'm not quite right still. And I've, you know, been doing this for, you know, five years and I'm still working on my, on my health and my, and my diet and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's really important. Well, and you, Yeah. And I do want to mention too, that you, as you probably know, going down the rabbit hole of trying to do all this research on your own and trying to figure all this stuff out on your own is so overwhelming and it's confusing and there's so much information out there uh, that I get a lot of clients that come to me after trying to navigate all of this stuff on their own and they are incredibly frustrated and actually stressing themselves out more. So Exhausted, it is amazing right? That you're, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that you're providing this resource and, uh, you know, helping people find the right practitioner for their needs, especially because it's very uh, hard to go it alone. It is. Well, I think it often, is. Often, oftentimes people think, you know, especially if you're just, you know, uh, consulting Dr. Google, you know, they think there's just one, <laughs> you know, maybe one or two issues where oftentimes there are multiple so to, to consult with a, a functional practitioner can look at all of those aspects, you know what I mean, and know which one to do first. And so it's always a better, it's always a better plan. Exactly. And unfortunately, if you're being a conventional medical doctor or an endocrinologist, you know, they often aren't going to explain to you the relationship between how the thyroid interacts with the rest of the body and you're kind of giving your meds and sent packing and, so people really have genuinely no idea. And I always say that nothing in the body malfunctions spontaneously. 
in isolation of anything else. And that just means that your thyroid just doesn't crap out all of a sudden. And <laughs> that's kind of how our medical system treats it. Oh, you have hypothyroidism. There's nothing we can do if it's autoimmune. Here's your Synthroid. Come back in six weeks and we'll retest you. Well, you know, like right. I said, your, your thyroid just doesn't magically decide to stop working one day. There are so many other factors in the body that are impacting that and just helping to rebalance those can um, and God forbid help you, you ask feel about better. the gut. <laughs> I mean, I've like, had huh? clients actually say, yeah, I've had clients say that, well, I have autoimmune. Doesn't that mean that I should be working on my immune system? And they get these right. puzzled looks. And oftentimes the endocrinologists, they, you know, they may not give them the answer that they need or they may not even know, you know. That's so frustrating, and it's funny because it feels like it goes in waves, you know, because we're, we're on Facebook and we're in the, you know, in the groups and things. And, you know, there's a, a few weeks where it feels like I'm reading people are, you know, getting um, good information and they're, you know, starting out on their journey, but they've already had all this testing and, you know, all the information it feels like that we're providing to people. It's like it's working. And then then I come to Colorado for a visit and, and I talk to people and they, they have, like, no idea what's going on. They they are, like, lost in the rabbit hole, stuck. And so it feels like it's this, like, roller coaster thing. I feel like, yay, it's working. We're getting the message out. And then the next week it's like, oh, God, we're i got to start over. Nobody knows anything here, right? <laughs> I know. It can feel frustrating like that. But understand that, you know, it can sometimes be two steps forward, one step back. But there's always progress right. to be made right. for sure. Well, and the well, gut, let's you know, that's, that's, tell that's, us. yeah, that's what I was going to say, that is, the gut is so important. It's, it's It plays such an important role, and, of course, we learn more and more every day, but um, I don't think people really give that as much, uh, I don't know, what's the word, you know, as they should. Yeah, so the important thing to understand, just quick physiology lesson, is that, you know, your thyroid produces two thyroid hormones, T4 and T3, and T4 is the inactive form, and it has to be converted into T3, which is the active form of thyroid hormone. And so your body needs tyrosine, which is an amino acid, and iodine in order to make T3 and T4. And a lot of people are just given T4, you know, which is synthroid or levothyroxine. And if you're not making that conversion between T4 and T3, then you're not going to feel any better. And the reason I bring all that up is because that conversion takes place partially in the gut and in the liver. And that means that you have to have healthy gut flora because there's some enzyme produced in there that's produced by your bacteria in your gut that is responsible for making that conversion between T4 and T3. And the same with the liver as your liver attaches certain uh, amino acids also, and vitamins and nutrients um, to T4 in order to convert it to T3. So there's all these cofactors that are kind of necessary for that conversion to take place, and healthy gut bacteria is one of them. And we should have, you know, something like 90% good gut bacteria to 10%, you know, what we call, quote, bad gut bacteria that isn't truly bad. I mean, we need it in order to challenge our good gut bacteria to work harder. But if that, you know, ratio is skewed at all and you have just biosis or candida or parasites or pathogenic bacterial overgrowth, then that's going to harm that conversion. And so that's a huge reason why people aren't converting really well. Ooh, so let's jump right in there. Well, tell us more about, say, for example, like uh, 
bacterial overgrowth and SIBO? Well, yeah, so a couple different things is SIBO, we're hearing probably a lot about that, and I'm sure you've had people mention that on your show, um, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And I see SIBO and candida most often with Hashimoto's and hypothyroid. And just a word about Hashimoto's in general is that um, as an autoimmune condition, we know that the majority of the immune system is in the gut, right? So there's almost always some sort of digestive issue going on that's really triggering or exacerbating an autoimmune condition. So right there, we know that, you know, we have to look at the gut and see what's going on there. Um, but with SIBO specifically, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, that takes place in kind of the upper part of the gut and the rest of the issues that we discussed take place in the lower part of the gut, you know, the large intestine or the colon. Uh, but with SIBO specifically, it, it's very common with hypothyroidism because we all have this, what's called this migrating motor complex in our gut that sweeps bad bacteria back down towards the large intestine. And you can often feel it if your stomach is rumbling in between meals. It's usually these kind of electric pulses where that migrating motor complex is sort of sweeping this bad bacteria down there. Because it will try to you know, just naturally it sort of migrates up around the gut. And if that complex is broken or kind of damaged, then bacteria from your large intestine migrate up into your small intestine. And that's incredibly common with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's because that, you know, both of those underfunctioning thyroid conditions slow down everything in the body and they can slow down your digestive tract. And um, so that migrating motor complex can kind of be affected and go to sleep on the job. And then you get all this bacteria that migrates up into your small intestine. It kind of takes root there, and then it, it ferments all of the carbohydrates that you're eating. So even healthy foods like onions and garlic and, you know, specific plants that you're eating, it will ferment those because that's its preferred food source and create this really uncomfortable bloating and sometimes diarrhea or constipation or gas. And people most often will say, oh, I by the end of the day I look – six months pregnant. Like I, if I had a nickel for every time right. I heard that. Um, right. So that's one of the hallmark signs of SIBO. And of course, a lot of different things can cause bloating, but it's oftentimes you think you're eating really healthy. That's the other thing is that people are like, oh, I gave up gluten and dairy and soy and I'm eating a bunch of vegetables and I still have this terrible bloating. That's kind of the, the main red flag that I hear uh, where I, I think that SIBO might be a cause of that. Hmm. You know, I have um, just a silly funny uh, about that um, I want to throw in because, you know, <laughs> people are out there and we're real people, too. So, I, you know, I just want to give an example. One of the one of the first kind of things that I noticed it's going to sound so silly, but I, I was a Zumba instructor and uh, I I taught, you know, Zumba Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I had my little outfits, and, you know, they're so good at, you know, putting out new outfits, and you wanted your new outfit. So I had my new, my tank top and cute little skirt, and I could, I all of a sudden started noticing my belly button through my tank top. Like, I had never seen it before. Like, why can I see my belly button through my tank top? Like, normally, it's just not there. And I thought, well, I just, you know, something I ate. or And it, it was one of those things where it was like an, a, a bloating that, that just didn't go away. Like, I could, I was like... Have I gained weight? No, I haven't gained weight. What, what's, what is that? You know, it's floating, right? Okay, so it happens. You know, you it just you can't help it. And, you know, that's 
that's probably exactly what, what was going on with me. It was right before I got diagnosed and, um, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's the other problem with um, hypothyroidism is it's a bit of a chicken and egg syndrome in that, you know, hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's will decrease your stomach acid. So, you know, and I was saying earlier, it kind of affects everything in the body and down regulates and slows everything down. Um, you know, if you don't have adequate thyroid hormone production, your body is like, okay, we need to shut down secondary things and just focus on the most important things like cardiovascular function and breathing. So that's why people start to shed hair and digestion starts to suffer. You know, everything kind of slows down and, and your body pays attention to only the most important things. So your stomach acid becomes more alkaline or you're not producing enough stomach acid and that gives these bad bugs a chance to grow. And so that can often be why people have this bad candidate overgrowth because that's often the first opportunistic bacteria that will sort of grow out of control. And then it's hard to say, okay, well, maybe in that situation it contributed to candida, but then also some people might have candida that can cause hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's uh, because it weakens everything in your body. It affects liver function. It can cause a stress and affect your adrenals, which can affect your thyroid. So with Canada, it's kind of hard to, or same with SIBO, you know, it's sort of hard to tell which came first um, because any sort of gut issue or gut inflammation or gut infection is going to uh, cause a major stress on the body. And that can be enough to sort of trigger hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's if you have the genetic makeup for it. What is, what is your favorite testing, Mary, for that? You know, do you have things uh, that you specifically like in order to diagnose that or or, you know, to head that off or to know or any kind of testing that you like? Yeah, so I usually refer people out to a GI doctor so their insurance will cover testing for SIBO, and the most accurate form for that testing is lactulose breath test. So you basically go into your doctor's office and drink this solution, and it's this lactulose solution, which is just sugars, and you're watching for different gases as your bacteria are fermenting these specific sugary drinks. And then if more methane is detected in your breath, you're considered methane dominant as you breathe into this tube. And if more hydrogen is detected after you drink the solution, uh, then you're hydrogen dominant or you can be both. You're, you don't have to be one or the other. You can also be both. Uh, and then you will know which bacteria are dominant, which they're hydrogen dominant or methane dominant or both, and that can affect the treatment somewhat. So there are take-home test kits, but there's a high degree of user error with those, and I don't find them as accurate. Um, and because SIBO is relatively new, I mean, it, it certainly has probably been around for years and years and, and since the beginning of time, but uh, it's, people are just now kind of learning about it, and we're just now finding these testing methodologies for it. And so, you know, testing still isn't super, super accurate, but it's getting there. So that's the best way to to test for that. Um, and then, you know, you can go the route of... Say, what's the name of it again? Say it one more time. It's lactulose breath test. Yeah, correct. Breath, breath, breath test. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of gold star. Um, so, yeah, so that's the, the best way to assess that. And you, you cannot detect SIBO from any other kind of test. So you, you won't see it on a stool test um, or a urine test or anything. So you have to get the breast testing to 
um, to diagnose that. But oftentimes I can just tell by someone's symptomology whether or not they have it and can recommend herbs for it. But I, I do prefer people get tested first. And then uh, I use DNA stool testing also to detect other pathogens and parasites. And it, it doesn't pick up candida so well. Um, you know, candida is always on stool test panels, but it doesn't really survive the culture super well, so it may not show up on a test even if you do have it. And urine or blood tests are more accurate for detecting candida. And then oftentimes, again, I can just tell by symptomology, someone's symptoms and their health history if they have it. So I often will recommend treatment for that. But but that's the answer is basically a combo of stool testing and breath testing. Right. <clears throat> so I've got a sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. So do I. <clears throat> I keep so putting my I. phone away, going. <clears throat> me too. Oh my god, that's so Trying funny. Trying to make cuckoo this morning. Sorry about that. <laughs> What's that? You yeah, guys no, can't hear me going. <clears throat> can you? No, no, yeah. and and. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a, I guess a couple of months ago, I had bronchitis. So every other, you know, word, I was, you know, turning off the mic and coughing out of the phone, out of the microphone. So I get you, Tiff. Don't worry, I feel in you. <laughs> I was reading this great article the other day that was talking about um, bacterial overgrowth and its, um, you know, relationship with diabetes type two. It was an interesting article. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, all, it's actually really common, too, to see uh, candida along with diabetes just because of the sugar issue. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, uh, okay, <laughs> sorry. I'm, so I'm sorry. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, me, too. I'm the same way. Okay, I'm, like, so coughing I have out to, of the phone. I have sorry. to fess up. I have to fess up. Okay, so I always do coconut milk in my coffee in the morning, and I didn't have any this morning. So I had <laughs> just a little bit of half and half. <laughs> and that's what this does uh, to me. It's just dairy is not my friend. <laughs> we yeah, can just, just stop yeah. there. <laughs> Remind me yeah. never to do that again on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Don't worry, I will. Yeah, it'll do that. It, it can create a lot of mucus in some people, and the hay fever symptoms and the throat clearing. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Oh, it's terrible. And honest to God, I mean, literally, you know, when you use, you know, a little bit of half and half, you're thinking it's really not that much, right? So I'm looking at my coffee and I'm thinking, I just do not want to do this black. <laughs> so just a little bit of half and half in there. And man, I'll tell you, my body is like, I just don't like this. And so we're going to make it really clear to you that this is not not a viable option. So I had to fess up and 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 throw that in there. That's my, I'm being punished publicly now too today. Gee whiz. <laughs> well, that's, that's good because most people don't even notice that that's what's causing it. So that that's um, very mindful very, of you. Yeah, you're very in tune. Um, let's uh, let's jump to I, you know we've been talking about um, nutrition and and of course digestion and stomach acid that was definitely me for sure me and my you know, belly button through my tank top no uh, let's talk about um, diets and, and and people being low carb and and wanting a low carb diet and how that can affect the, the thyroid function 
Yeah, that's another big issue I see is especially women who have heard that going paleo will help them lose weight and especially once they are diagnosed with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, then, again, here comes the research with, oh, should I do autoimmune paleo? Should I go paleo? Are grains bad? Gluten's bad? And, and, you know, the the one caveat I should say to any of this stuff, and this is possibly what makes it even more confusing, is there's never a one-size-fits-all approach for anyone. So, you know, you have your own... unique physiology (laughs) and you have your own unique triggers and so what works for you is not going to work for someone else but uh i saw a a few years ago even and it's less lately thankfully but i seem to be getting women who were really strict paleo who were just gaining weight like crazy and they were doing everything right and they would lose weight initially and then just start gaining weight and over exercising and then gaining more weight and, you know, once we started taking a look at what they were eating, they were typically doing a lot of protein because, again, you know, they'd heard that protein and fat help boost your metabolism and lose weight and then, you know, maybe minimal plants, but, and especially no starchy carbs because those have too many carbs in them, you know, like sweet potatoes or root vegetables and no grains. And so what would happen is, that can really affect your thyroid hormone function and, and kind of push you into hypothyroidism. And while people feel great initially, then, you know, the, again, what happens is your T3 kind of takes a really big hit because if you, as women especially, we have really sensitive endocrine systems. And, you know, whether or not we agree, our body thinks that our purpose is really to reproduce. So it's doing right. everything that it can to make sure that we're super fertile and, if it sees that you are restricting one major macronutrient in your diet and, and that's not right for you, it says, okay, this is a major stress. Okay, hold on. Um, and your fertility is often the thing that takes the first hit because if your body is stressed, it doesn't think it's a good time for you to reproduce. And so, you know, if your thyroid's not working, your fertility's not working. But, um, but what happens is, you know, insulin is actually needed for the conversion of T4 to T3, and insulin is really quite low on really low-carb diets. And when I say low-carb, I'm talking like 50 grams of carb, uh, even 75 grams of carb or less. And then, you know, cortisol will increase on a low-carb diet because your body is stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that's going to affect this conversion from T4 to T3, and there goes, you know, your thyroid function is uh, your TSH, which, of course, you guys know is the main thing doctors look at to diagnose hypothyroidism, it might be okay, but your T3 might be really low, and nobody really um, cares about TSH so much <laughs> in terms of diagnosing right. hypothyroidism, although your, your doctor does, but we know it's T3 and T4 that are even more important to, um, to look at. So point of the story there is that these women are – can't understand what's going on and they're also starting to overexercise. and when you and that's natural all of a sudden you start gaining weight you're eating perfectly and then to ramp up the exercise and that's stressing them out even more you know stressing the body out even more and affecting this thyroid hormone conversion and then they're also exhausted at the same time because their thyroid is under functioning so um so that's that's kind of uh a major issue that I've seen, especially with women who seem to have, as I said, you know, because we have more sensitive endocrine systems, 
men seem to do better on this lower-carb plan than women do. But I, I really don't recommend, quote, low-carb-type diet um, for women at all. And, again, the, the you know, number, your grams of carbohydrate, which I also don't really emphasize counting grams or doing anything like that. But um, but I've, I often tell women, you know, you really need to work on adding in more starchy carbs, maybe even rice if it works for you. And that always seems so shocking to hear, but they always feel better. And then, you know, things start to normalize. Right. So I know you said no no counting, and, and that's not necessarily your, your preference, but is there a, a, a bottom-of-the-barrel number for you? I heard you say 75. I know there's some other, um, the people that say 70. Any any magic number there for you, Mary, as far as bottom-of-the-barrel number of carbs? Yeah, I mean, if, if someone, and I, I'll typically will have people, um, you know, do maybe even a three-day, like, plug in their numbers into an app or something like fitday.com or MyFitnessPal just to get an idea. Because it's always good mm-hmm. to get an idea, you know, and have a ballpark. I just, I don't like for people to get too caught up in counting everything because it stresses them out. But, um, but yeah, oftentimes I see women who are doing 50 or 75, and I tell them at least try to get up to 100, 150. And after that, okay. it's variable. depends on, you know, depends on the person. Some people uh, do great around 200. Other people, you know, 100, 150, something like that. It just really depends on the person. But, I tell any women, um, never drop below 50. And there's a lot of people who, you know, are kind of doing ketogenic diets, and that's a little bit tougher because it can work pretty well for certain conditions like epilepsy or obesity. Um, right. You know, that so type that of diet was really for. more for for super critical illness, illness originally, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and women seem to have you know, good results in the beginning with that, especially for obesity and then transition off of it. But, you know, if, if someone's been eating low carb for a long time, I try to really bump them up to around 100 and see what happens at that point and then either increase from there or, you know, just adjust from there. Because uh, there's a certain number of carbs that are just uh, mandatory for bodily function uh, to go. I mean, I think to, yeah. to me that's what seems so scary about that whole Protocol. I mean, I, I know that it uh, works for some people, and, and, and Dana and I always say everyone's got their own, you know, their own journey, their own body, and all that good stuff. But, sure. man, I just, I'm like dragging on the floor, like, God, someone feed me. <laughs> oh, I know. It's terrible, but it's true. true. I mean, it just, <laughs> I yeah, and people will be like, oh, people will be absolutely starving doing that, too. Right. And that's the biggest thing is, I'm so hungry, I'm eating all this protein. And, and that's the thing is we're really not meant to eat tons of protein. I mean, our, our diet really right. should be plant-based. It's a balance. And then, I love yeah, that and word. Then add in it's so much simple, right? Balance. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and, well, yeah, gonna, it can help to have, to have someone help you figure it out for sure. For sure. And I want to ask you to uh, two couple questions. I want to ask you to define a holistic nutritionist and how that differs um, but I also wanted to tie you back in to the whole SIBO candida and carbohydrates and, and, and how that can be a slippery slope for people. I know that's two questions in one. I always do that, Dana. That's terrible. That's okay. <laughs> well, sure. So yeah. Just... I, I mean, just... 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm happy define... to... <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I think there's a oh, delay on my phone. Pretty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I can just talk really quickly about what what a holistic nutritionist is and then, you know, go back into talking more about carbohydrates, specifically in SIBO. But that's a really good question and the because oftentimes if you ask somebody what they do, and they tell you, you know, I'm a nuclear physicist, forensic engineer. That makes perfect sense to them, but you have no idea what they're talking about. So, right, right. Um, so the same thing happens with holistic nutrition. And so I, I don't even tell people when people ask what I do. I, don't, I rarely say holistic nutritionist anymore. I'll start off by saying, you know, I help people uh, understand the underlying causes of their health conditions and use, you know, diet and natural therapies to feel better or to optimize health nutrition. And um, and then, so that's kind of the difference between uh, a holistic practitioner and, say, like an, a registered dietitian or, um, you know, what classically what you would think is a dietitian, which kind of works more with the conventional medical model or works in a hospital setting. But a holistic nutritionist kind of looks at the ways that the body interacts. As I was saying earlier, you know, if you have a specific health challenge, then there's something that caused that, and it typically means that your body systems are all impacting each other. So we look at the body as a whole and uh, determine sort of the underlying imbalances that are contributing to what's going on and bring those back into balance. To me, that just seems so obvious. It's so strange how we've gotten so <laughs> far away from that, right? I mean, when you well, say it yeah. like that and you said it so eloquently, I'm thinking – Gosh, why is there another way? I just, I don't know. It's right. Shouldn't crazy. every nutritionist be doing that? Right. That's right. So true. That's exactly right. Well, we're kind of in this symptom-based model now where people just want, and I, I oftentimes, I not often, but rarely I'll run into people who really don't want to do the work. They just want a pill or something to make them feel better. And, you know, that's, that's the case, I think, really often with diabetes or high blood pressure is, it's shocking how rare um, people are asked, what you know, what's their diet like? What's their stress level like? You know, what's, what's causing this? Um, you know, they're just given a pill, and that's kind of the, the state of our medical system now as a symptom-based model. We're just treating the symptoms that are a result of larger imbalances. So I, I totally think it's sort of intuitive also. Wouldn't you want to figure out what's causing it rather than just take a pill that's going to cause side effects and then you have to take another pill to offset the side effects? You're basically ignoring the check engine light. What you're doing is the right. check engine light comes on and you're just going in and unscrewing the bulb so it won't light up anymore. And there, your check engine light's off. But what you need to be doing is figuring out, and that's what happens when you take your car to a mechanic. They figure out what's causing the check engine light to come on and then fix it. And right. And I... It's a sad state that our um, that our healthcare system isn't like that because those symptoms are your body's warning signs, telling you that something's wrong. And if you're able to figure that out and fix it, then you'll live a longer, happier life. Hmm, I love that. I just Not a whole lot of revenue in fixing things, though. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's somewhat true. That's terrible. <laughs> at least you know that's that's the way they. Unfortunately, I think that's part of part of the view of the medical model right now oh, yeah. as, as a general rule, unfortunately. I, don't think, I think it's it's starting to shift a little, I hope, from what I can see. Uh, there are a lot more conventional medical doctors that are starting to um, recommend alternative therapies. So 
And, of course, obviously emergency medicine is we wouldn't be, you know, the thriving population we are without it. But uh, right. but I hope that preventive medicine and sort of disease management, that the model is shifting slowly. Oh, and I think functional and integrative medicine is, is is you know, heading that heading that off, the change of, of thought process. I think most physicians have really just never questioned the educational model. But uh, yeah, I, I do exactly. see a lot of it now. There's I mean, no you, reason. There was, a, there was a great movie. I can't remember. It was oh, three, four years ago. Maybe, maybe you would know Mary or, or Dana. But there was a movie on physicians, and it tracked this one physician and her unhappiness in, uh, you know, she started out to heal people. She became a physician, an MD, and she was uh, showcasing the dysfunction. I can't remember the name of the movie. Did you either guys either one of you guys remember that? It was a woman. No, but it sounds interesting. Oh, oh you, I don't know. It was like movie, but you might be maybe three, four years Aviva ago. Rom. That sounds like Aviva no, not Rom a Viva Rom, but she she probably could have done it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! And she sure just she makes so many conventional physicians so angry, and I love her response. I just really do. Every time, you know, she's so spot on. But no, this was a different one, and she was, um, she was a trauma MD. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to find it now. It's going to drive me crazy. But basically, it was, it was, you know, she was talking about her uh, original intention in going into medicine and how it became, and that her hands were tied. And it was a great, it was a great, it was a documentary. It was, a, it was awesome. Yeah. I got to I'm going to find it. Familiar. Yeah. <laughs> It was You're awesome. Have to, uh, yeah, Viva Rom could have made her own. <laughs> Seriously. That sounds awesome. Maybe like Kelly Brogan has a similar story too. Oh, I think a lot, of, so. uh, a lot of, um, as you mentioned, a lot of MDs have that same story. And Mark Hyman's another one. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. I'm very excited for the future of medicine. I'm, I think that eventually it will be, you know. I, I do too. And I hope man thing. I hope that we're I hope that we're we're speeding it along a little bit because uh, I don't know if you know Mary, but I live in Costa Rica and I'm visiting Colorado right now, and I have to say that there's a lot of large people um, just everywhere, like when yeah. you come to the states, and it's it's very noticeable um, that sure the, the difference compared to you know being in Costa Rica, the people there and. And you know, coming to the states, and of course, there's more people, so more more choices and that kind of thing, or whatever. But it's very, very obvious. So I hope we're speeding the process up along, and I hope that Costa Rica can can catch up because uh, you know they're like 20 years behind the states on everything. So I hope that we speed this process along so that they don't <laughs> right, so that they don't fall into the same trap. And and just I mean, I see it. I do see it. I see them walking down the street to the pulpery on the corner, and they come back with a big bag and there's not like one ounce of food and it's just like old boxes and packages and stuff. But, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some change and it'll speed things along because I think it's so important and people just really don't even, I mean, there are a lot of people who just want a pill, as you said, Mary, and um, aren't really, you know, wanting to work to get it, you know, wanting to pay attention. And uh, it's sad. I think it's going to change soon. Hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. Right. We'll just we'll just manifest this right now. We're just going to say it is going to change. It, it will is going change. To change. Yes, it is. <laughs> A little silver like lining in there, right? <laughs> okay. So I want to I want to go back to the other half of my question, and I, I'm terrible. I 
truly apologize, but the whole carb, <laughs> you know, SIBO, candida, and balancing that whole thing, because you hear so much about, you know, no carbs, no nothing, and most people will say, I can't do that. So it's almost like a, a, an epic fail. So can you help us a little bit understand that, that relationship? And why it's so important. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question, because if you have it, those two specifically, you know, candida and SIBO, oftentimes the first thing you'll hear is, well, you have to cut out FODMAP, you know, which is that an acronym that's a class of foods that have specific starches and then that feed the bacteria. And then with candida, there's a longer list of foods you have to cut out and, you know, sugars and starches feed the bacteria. And that's true. Um, oftentimes those diets do by default have to be low carb diets. And that's an, another situation where you really have to work with the person. There are some people out there that have such severe cases of SIBO that they oftentimes will do really well on, say, an elemental diet, which is essentially drinking this really kind of nasty smoothie um, that's essentially just proteins and fats and amino acids uh, three times a day and just to starve out the bacteria. And then there are some people, you know, who can't even fathom not having uh, enough carbs to keep them going. So it really depends on the person and their treatment model. But with SIBO, often your people are a little bit more motivated because there's, the, you know, I mentioned FODMAP. You know, it's a really seemingly random class of food like garlic and onions and uh, sweet potato or uh, certain quantities of food like too much spinach or too much Brussels sprouts or uh, cauliflower and then asparagus, you know, these foods that have these starches in them that the bacteria really prefer. And they're all healthy foods. You know, they're just high in these particular starches that will make your gut blow up, literally. Um, some people get really bad diarrhea and others, you know, they're eating really well and then they're super bloated and uncomfortable by the end of the day. So avoiding those specific foods can really help them feel better. Um, though it, and it will, you know, remove the bacteria's food source, but it, it won't work alone. You know, you have to take herbs uh, or in some cases antibiotics to kill off SIBO, and it's hard to get rid of, unfortunately. I was, um, you just led me into my next question. <laughs> Do you see uh, one way or another that you feel uh, works better? Of course, everyone is individual, and uh, we understand that. But do you like the herbal protocol to, in that, or do you prefer antibiotics? What What are your thoughts between the two on treating SIBO for people that, that can't do it with diet alone? Uh, we are now seeing that the effectiveness with antibiotics and herbs is pretty much the same. Um, and I'm not a prescribing physician, so I always tell people, you know, talk to your GI doctor. Um, right. But my, my We just would love your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, and my personal stance on it is that um, if you have, if your gut is just wrecked or you have a history of a lot of antibiotic use, then you might want to avoid the antibiotics and go herbs. Although they use rifaximin and neomycin to treat SIBO, and it's a very low impact antibiotic, so it, it's relatively sparing of your gut flora, and it does a good job of killing off SIBO. But um, you know, just taking a course of that is not enough. There, you know, you have to follow it up with um, prokinetics which are um, different nutrients or amino acids that will fix the motility motor complex. Because here, again, is a question of, well, what causes it? And in 80% of SIBO cases, it's a, it's a faulty migrating motor complex. So you have to fix that. And so I get a lot of people who 
are coming from GI doctors who give them a prescription for antibiotics and send them packing, and the SIBO comes back. So you really have to follow up the antibiotics. Oftentimes, I'll follow them up with herbs and then prokinetics and prokinetics and herbs at the same time. And you don't want to necessarily eat low FODMAP the whole time. We know now that if you just eat a normal diet, that encourages the bacteria to come be more active and then more easily killed off by the herbs and the antibiotics. So, you know, we're just learning a lot about this. And, you know, new information is emerging all the time. And so, again, you know, to go back to your original question, it really depends on what the person can handle and what their willpower is like and, and what, how they feel and um, if they're going to get overwhelmed. Um, you know, you don't want people white-knuckling it because then they're going to throw their hands up and be like, I can't do this anymore. So, right. you know. And that's the beauty of having really, a holistic holistic nutritionist on board, right? Because you can help guide people and redirect them and, and sure. I think that would be yeah. a huge benefit. Yeah. And they, you know, it's a coaching process, you know, giving people right. support and, you know, answering questions and helping encourage them. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, that's part of the process too. And, and assuring them that they haven't ruined everything by having a Twinkie. Um, that's part of the process. <laughs> Right. Or ding dong, whichever. I'm a ding dong girl. I like ding dong better. Yeah, um, I grew up you know, with those too. Oh my gosh. Right? That was my, my favorite, favorite dessert as a kid. Isn't that terrible? I it ate is. so many Twinkies. I'm surprised that I'm not just preserved myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's with, and the Swiss cake rolls and the ho hos and little Debbie <laughs> snacks, all that stuff. I will never that. forget I when they. You were the what? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say I, I was a ding-dong girl, not a Twinkies girl, except for at school because they didn't sell ding-dongs. But I would also take my ding-dong and take the foil off and put candles in it and use it as my Barbie's um, birthday cake. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm surprised I'm not preserved myself, too. I mean, can you imagine? I probably ate, I don't even want to know. My kids would, oh, gosh, I, I can't tell my kids because I'm always telling them they can't have this and you can't have that, right? If they knew how many ding-dongs I had in my lifetime, oh, I'm right? I remember the first time they came out with the, the studies on a Twinkie, you know, somebody, I don't know, blowtorched the thing or whatever, and it still survived and stayed intact. I remember seeing that thing and going, oh, my God. I mean, I must have ate a billion of those. It was just terrible. And my mom was, the funniest thing is my mom was fairly health conscious. We really weren't allowed to have, you know, soda or anything like that. But I had enough Twinkies to, to float a ship pretty much. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and that's, that's why I think, um, I think having a, um, a holistic nutritionist um, help you would be so wonderful. I mean, really, because people right now, I, I really think in you know, the thyroid community, you see it all the time on Facebook and everything. People are frustrated. Food, you know, I'm I, I'm kind of one of them, you know, because I've got lots of things going on with me and lots of things going on with my son, and, and it's confusing. And, you know, you know, FODMAPs and garlic and onions my favorite, and then, but you can't have this and you can't have this. And people are frustrated with food. You say food and, start, and you start, like, talking about eliminating this, and people are just confused and frustrated, and it's mm-hmm. a sense of anxiety. Yes, it gives I mean, them a, you know, awful feeling. And so having someone like you, I think, would be fabulous. Yeah, and yeah. I always tell people also that this stuff is not forever. And oftentimes, 
people have been to eight or nine GI doctors before they wind up in my office and they're so frustrated and also kind of relieved to have finally found what's going on. They're fairly motivated, but, um, but yeah, I mean, of course the, these specific diets aren't designed to be long-term and, um, and, you know, so it, it, that's exactly, you're exactly right. That's why it helps to have someone kind of remind you of that and coach you through the process. Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Light at moment. the end of the tunnel. <laughs> well, I love it. And it and yeah, exactly. people need it. it. People need it. It's really it really is a big a big deal because the whole anxiety around it. I mean, I can see all the frustration. I can feel it. You know, just going through the groups and posting things and being on Facebook. I can feel the frustration. People are like, "Well, I don't. I can't do AIP. I don't want to do IP. Or, or I was told I have For to do sure. paleo. Or, or I was told mm-hmm. I can't. And do the overwhelm. Right. And then they just go for yeah. God forbid you have something yep. that falls off that protocol. That is just it. You know what I mean? You could get kicked out of the group. You could get, you know, oh, like, absolutely. Nobody, nobody else makes mistakes or falls off the wagon or am I that bad? I mean, well, it's depressing. Yeah. The diet police are hardcore out there. That's for sure. They sure are. Hmm. Okay. Well, I know but, yeah, you want I'm, to talk. Not. Go ahead. No, no, please. I was going to say that I'm just a brief token on that, that I am happy to see kind of the pendulum switching to the other, uh, shifting back to the other way where people are starting not to be so um, fanatic about their way being the right way and understanding that, um, you know, not playing diet police is often. I just wanted to throw that one in there. Yay. Right. And and everyone is very different. And not only that, but, don't you agree, Mary, that, that different people can go through different phases at different times? I mean, the thyroid, to me, is such a sensitive organ, you know, and Dan and I always end the show with, you know, to, it, it's a journey. Like, you can, you can take a hit somewhere in your life that you might have to alter your protocol or readjust or, you know, it's not like one and you're done. This will get you to 90. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, God forbid you have a traumatic, you know, divorce or death in the family or you may need a little bit of a, you know, um, alteration in the in the whole thing. Exactly, yeah. Oh. So we can kind of crisscross a couple things. So I know you want to talk about nutrition and for optimal thyroid health, and we want to hear that, but also for hair loss, and I think you probably can tie those two in together a little bit, right? But I know lots of people want to hear about uh, ways to overcome hair loss with hypothyroidism. Yeah, if you don't mind, before yeah. we let you go, if you don't mind, because I know we're we're almost uh, almost at an hour, and that I just time, you know yeah. want to make sure you're you're okay with that. Just you know, let's let's talk about hair really quick, and then then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, sure. That and again, that's another one that, in fact, that's often for women. You know, hair is such a huge part of their identity, and I know when. My thyroid was crapping out. That was something that was really devastating to me because I had always had really thick, long hair, and it didn't start falling out in clumps like some of my clients that I've heard that just started thinning and breaking off, and it was really devastating. It just looked fried all the time. And, um, and yeah, so that's often one of the first things I get from people is, you know, I don't care about anything else. Just help my hair stop falling out. And, right. Uh, 
and, you know, hair loss is also really complicated. It can be caused by a number of factors, but especially with hypothyroidism, uh, what I find most effective, and I actually have a lot of info on my website about this also, but um, you know, to make sure, again, you know, that even if, because what will happen is people will be on the thyroid replacement hormone and nothing's happening. And so, again, you have to make sure you have all the nutrients present for that conversion. And so, you know, speaking of healthy thyroid foods and, and the nutrients that you need, one of the biggest things for hair loss and for thyroid is getting zinc and selenium. Those are absolutely critical for that T4, T3 conversion. And you're mostly going to find those in animal products. Uh, well, zinc especially is going to be mostly prevalent in meat. Um, and oysters, that's a good source. Um, the only vegetarian source that's worth anything is really like pumpkin seeds, I think. And with selenium, you can eat, you know, four Brazil nuts, five Brazil nuts a day, and there's your uh, selenium. But if you're avoiding nuts because you're on an autoimmune protocol, you're not going to be able to, to get that. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, you, you really need those micro minerals and um, vitamin A, vitamin D, B vitamins, and you get all of that in meat, you know, liver, uh, egg yolks. Right. Um, those are and the iron, biggest right? nutrients, and iron <laughs> iron is uh, is so that ties into hypothyroidism. That happened to me too. I have been prone to anemia, you know, since I was a high schooler, and that was a big cause of my hair loss. You know, I ran blood work, and I often have people come in who have blood work done, but they their ferritin levels or their iron levels haven't been checked, and that is a huge factor with hypothyroidism. Your iron levels tie in and your ferritin levels tie in very intimately to that. So, you know, have your do- uh, doctor check your zinc levels, iron, um, and androgenic hormones, having like high DHEA and high testosterone levels uh, can be a big factor there. So, Aside from just, you know, working on your diet, um, you know, have your doctor run blood work and check for uh, deficiencies in any of these nutrients. And then it's really worth mentioning that if your gut is not functioning, then you're not going to be digesting and breaking down and absorbing any of these nutrients that you're eating. So you can have the best diet in the world, but if you have leaky gut or some of these bacterial overgrowth we've been talking about, then it doesn't matter what you're eating. It's still not really going to be much good. So, um that's why starting with the gut is often the best place to go in, in a lot of these conditions. Hmm. It all starts with the gut. All starts in the gut. <laughs> we always go right back really to that, don't we? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> see, see, I have yeah, it too. We, I can't help it. We sound like a broken record saying that, but <laughs> it's true. I mean. Hippocrates was way, 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 just way ahead of his time. I can't even, I can't even imagine how we just lost sight of, of, his time. of food, right? I mean, I just food as yeah, all, medicine. all disease begins in the sense. gut. That's right, right? Totally, all disease and just, begins in the gut. I'm serious. I mean, it's it's a. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should just scream that, you know, from a, a rooftop, right? Hello, people. <laughs> right? It's it's frustrating. I mean, and, well, and it's and, crazier uh, that, that nine times out of ten, conventional medicine doesn't address that at all, completely bypasses that. That's oh, yeah. a well, huge outie right there. They're just <laughs> now, after years of saying that leaky gut was made up and it was just a way for the natural medicine community to sell more supplements, 
in, increased intestinal permeability, which is, you know, the conventional medical term, is, is now really kind of making its way and getting, gaining credence in the medical world is something that is absolutely very true and very real, and that's promising. Very Okay, well, we won't take up more of your time. We've covered all the things I think we wanted to, and we are so grateful to have had you today. I, I so appreciate it. I know I've been wanting you on the show for a long time, and I just, uh, I'm just i glad you came on today. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful knowledge. Well, thanks awesome. so much for having What's me. And, yeah. We, anything new on the horizon? I'm sorry, Mary. Anything new on the horizon for Mary Vance? I'm actually, the major project I'm working on right now is completely overhauling and redesigning my website, and excitingly, that is going to include a, I believe it's around 15, 20 pages, just a free guide that you can download when you go to my site uh, on ways to optimize thyroid function, Um, and that is also kind of a teaser to my second book that probably will come out next year on hypothyroid and Hashimoto's. Uh, just treatments and and um, ways to optimize thyroid function. And so, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm really excited about is redesigning my website just to make it more user-friendly and offer a lot more information on it. So that should hopefully be done by the end of the summer. Awesome. That's wonderful, well, right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. So, and then, yeah, you'll have free thyroid resources there. And, um and, yeah, I was just saying thanks for having me on, and I really appreciate the work that you guys are doing and, and respect that you're helping get all this information into the ears of people who need it and making it accessible. Well, well, well thank, thank you, you so much. We're trying, and we are. And we will definitely <laughs> tell everybody where to find you so we can let you go. Have a great time. And I guess you said Maine on the East Maine. Coast. Post more pictures, and uh, have a great day. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Mary. Bye. She seems like she would be amazing to work with. She seems very intelligent and down-to-earth. I really, really like her. I like the way she explains things. I like it. I do too. I think, and that's. I think I kept saying it over and over. Like, if any, if you're listening, you need to jump on maryvancenc.com because uh, she seems like she'd be easy to work with, down to earth, and uh, you know, would be supportive. Some great articles. Because I think she gets great you know, articles she, on she, here too. She said Twinkies. Huh? So anybody who mentions Twinkies, you know they're going to support you. I'm just saying they know what a Twinkie <laughs> is. They mention it, right? So no, she seems like she she really. Understands Good, and she's coming at it from the vegetarian, uh, previous vegetarian um, viewpoint. So right. I like it, and a whole body yeah. aspect. I, I like yeah, it. I right? love the fact that she she works with physicians because she said she refers people to GI docs, and that's just awesome. And she's in San Francisco, right? Who can't use a trip to San Fran? <laughs> right, You're down right? the hill, or up the hill, or around the corner. Where are you? Up, <laughs> up, up the hill. Up down. I am the in hill. the number one most amazing place in the nation. What was the article you sent me? Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that cool? We do. Prettiest places have, to live in or something? I thought that was really neat. Extraordinary night skies, like truly, like where you just walk outside and like right now we have a full moon and the planets have aligned and just all kinds of special things going on in the sky and, and Joshua Tree is 
the place to see that. Funny. Seriously, I'm not. No. I'm not kidding. It's huh? I said, I know. I, I I was so proud. That's why I said it. I was like, oh look, Tiffany will love this. Joshua we Tree. we Yay. fight big battles against light pollution, big ones, big ones, because we have uh, amazing, amazing. Night skies. I went out last night and I was looking at the. Uh, unfortunately, was unloading my car, but <laughs> but I did happen to catch it, <laughs> and it was extraordinary, honestly. And then you sent me that article, and I thought, you know, it is amazing here. Right, it really is. Can't wait to show it yeah. to you. I can't <laughs> wait to visit. Okay, so be sure and check out Mary Vance at maryvancenc.com because. She's got some great articles, and as she said, she's revamping her website, so you got to check it out. She'll have a free, a free thyroid um, little booklet to help you um, to download, and, and so check it out. She's, she's got great articles. Yeah, she mm-hmm. does. And mm-hmm. uh, she's, she's on Twitter and Facebook. You, you, can, you can find her, Mary Vance NC. Mm-hmm. And thank you, thank you to the listeners. Please share your thyroid thriver story with us, too, because, you know, it just really helps people. It's Good stories, bad stories, in between stories. We like them all, and uh, and they really do help people. You know, it's it's relatable to see other people. I watched the documentary last night on um, Tony Robbins, and uh, it's on Netflix. It's called "I Am Not Your Guru," and you know, of course, it's other people's stories. It's, it was really amazing, and um, of course, I've always really liked him. But, you know, getting my husband to watch him and understand, you know, um, was kind of a different. He was, you know, at the end, he seems very down to earth, you know. He seems very getting, and what he does seems very draining. And he can just get up there and do it. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't imagine, can you? To be, no. And so my point in saying that, along with the thyroid thriver stories, is that we were watching this documentary and they were showing people get up and tell their stories and the people responding to this, to this person telling this story. It was so overwhelming and wonderful. And so just seeing that um, reassures me, you know, the thyroid thriver stories really, really do help. They make you feel not so alone and uh, mm-hmm. show support for, for you and for them, you know. So send us your stories and we'll publish it on Thyroid right. Nation and uh, you can help others. And I think that's what is most important is the journey, right? It's never just like, right. I did this and I was good. Nope. <laughs> right? It's, nope. the, it's the journey. It's the fight and the struggle and the heartbreak and the successes and the it's the journey. I mean that's that's where people find understanding and and resonation with themselves and courage to go on and it's it's all about all about the journey. Of course Dana and I also want you to check out uh Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Wonderful synthetic preservative free beauty products and uh helpful uh thyroid Things like Brain Awake Inhaler, which Dana and I both <laughs> I have it right here. here. Every show, I have it every show. <laughs> and Mist Me, which is my personal favorite toner, so that is the aromatherapist recommendation. I absolutely love that. But um, complexion serums, just just all kinds of wonderful things. Great massage oils to help you sleep, give you a little bit of extra aphrodisia. Wonderful smelling. Uh, healthy for you, synthetic free. So please be sure to check it out at Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Lots of love and light there. Yep. We we put lots of our, our heart and our love and our our souls and, and you know, good, happy thoughts into the mm-hmm. Thyroid Nation. Intention. So we want you to, 
Yes, intention. Thank you. Uh, we want you to check it out, and if you like it, great. And if you don't, great. Um, you know, this is not one of those you got to do kind of things. It's for support. Uh, we love it, and we'll, we hope you love it. You know, it's a, they're wonderful products, and they're out, they're really good for you. So it's hard to go to Super Target and not want to buy all this stuff, but you know, there's always <laughs> something in it. So um, this stuff is actually really good for you. It comes in glass bottles, and it's beautiful and. Tiffany's done a wonderful job. And we job use it. Blending them. And we use them. This is the and I stuff keep, we use. I keep, right. I keep running out. My husband's like, oh, my God, you're killing us here. You're using all this stuff. I'm like, well, it's our products, right? Love it. So <laughs> can't help it. That's the way it is. Check it out, Thyroid Nation Essentials. Make sure to follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com on Facebook and Twitter and all those great places. But we have a, we have a group on Facebook. Hoshis and Grays, so uh, check it out. You just type in Hoshis and it'll pop up. It'll show you all the guests we have upcoming and the past guests and what's new and what's uh, going on. So check that group out and uh, post something a day and see see what see what happens. <laughs> see the magic that transpires. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. Right or uh, of course or not. It's summertime, uh-huh. so it's kind of slow. I said or not. It's summertime, <laughs> so it's kind of slow. So. Maybe not, right? Well, and Dan and I, of course, most importantly, always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. This is not a one and you're done. This is a journey with your thyroid for the rest of your life, and there's lots of support and people that can can help you along the way. So make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. It has tons, tons and tons to say and own built-in diagnostician and my diagnostician told me that dairy hates me <laughs> oh That's my right. god but especially um, no listen, more right? Wednesday because mornings honestly there is so no just so much information that your own body will tell you and and we always like discount it like most people don't realize that mucus production and and all of that can actually be a food allergy. A lot of people think these are seasonal allergies or when they're actually something that you're ingesting every day. So I love that word medical memoir. Who who shared that? Darn it. Oh gosh, I, I, One of the past God. guests. Write your medical oh. memoir and, and find was it, was it, these triggers. Was it Andrea? Oh, a week or two um, ago. No, no, no. Oh, yes, it was. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Andrea Nakayama. Yes, it was. Medical memoir. I love that. I love that, right? Because everyone has their own. But please be sure to listen to your own body. It's it's super smart, and it's talking to you. When you walk into a room and you, you know, smell paint or you, you know, something, and and your body goes, "Mm," you know, your body's talking to you. It doesn't like it. Move away. Right? I mean, it talks right. to you all the time. You know, you know all it says. It's like when you're pregnant. When you're pregnant and you crave things, you honor it when you're pregnant. You get it. As a woman, you understand. You're like, oh, I'm craving this. I must need this. But then you forget. Uh, or Most people just uh, let it go after that, and it's still talking to you. It's always been talking to you. So listen to your body. Okay, guys. Please. This is Anna, your, th- your thyroid nation, Gringatika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide, like we talked about today. So together, united we heal. Bye. Bye.